This is the Door Knocker Podcast, where we dive into the explosive growth of the sales industry. We take an in-depth look with the industry's top talent to uncover what has made them successful as salespeople, leaders, and entrepreneurs. We believe all of life's opportunities are just behind the next door. With that being said, opportunities knocking. I'm your host, Zach Ross. Well, 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 well. Look what we have here. We're back in action, baby. And I have a good acquaintance, hopefully going to become a buddy, you know, a guy who supports and is always positive and responds when you hit him up on the internet, which is always a plus. Coda, how's it going, man? Good, dude. Excited to finally get on this thing, man. I know we've been chatting about it for a while. Yeah, it's been a little bit of time, you know, Um, a little bit of ebb and a flow. So I'm just going to pop right into it, man. I know you just left a recruiting summit. Um, I'll probably get into like, you know, your history and you and everything else. But um, how was the recruiting summit? It was banging, man. I've been to a lot of events. This one was, uh, it was well done, man. I got to give props to Sam because the venue was great. The, you know, Airbnb that they got for the speakers and the staff was fantastic. And overall as a, just good vibes. You know, like you go to a lot of events, like you go to a lot of masterminds. Oh yeah, absolutely. So like there's two types of masterminds. There's a masterminds where you go and people are talking about how badass they are. They're like, Hey, just, you know, I'm, I'm basically God. Uh, everything I touch turns to gold. I've made uh, a $4 trillion in 48 hours with every business I've ever done. <laughs> and I've, I've also recruited everybody and I'm unstoppable. And then you go to other events and you actually walk away with good stuff. The people are down to earth. Um, and you know that they've actually accomplished big things because they don't have to talk about all the things that they've accomplished. And this was actually that kind of event. You know, we got a lot of tangible stuff, good people. Uh, the attendees were awesome. There wasn't a bunch of people like flexing and just like wasting time talking about how awesome they are and how ripped, and shredded and good looking and rich they were. <laughs> it was just genuine Genuine people talking about tangible shit, and uh, I had a blast, man. It was, it was, it was awesome. I was impressed. I love that, dude. Yeah, I, it was funny that you say that because I was, uh, you know, I've been taking. I'm, I'm pretty intense about content. So, like, anytime I find somebody I like, you know, it doesn't matter. Brian Tracy, Dale Carnegie, doesn't matter who it is. It could be a nobody, Gary V, somebody on the internet, whatever. Once I find them, I like them. I just consume everything they have for just hours every day. And yeah. Alex Hermosi is that guy from here right now, and he, I love his. You know, he's up at like 4.05 to 4.25 in the morning every day. And he always says that shtick where he's like, you know, you don't need a, you don't need a damn, you know, morning routine. You don't need to go do the cold plunge and float and levitate. He's like, get up, get a cup of coffee and go to work. And that's like what I'm hearing you're saying is that like, you know, a lot of people want to present. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Like I have a sauna and we're getting a cold plunge at my house. Like I, I, I like it, but that doesn't yeah. have to be your morning routine. It might not work for you, you know? Like it might not work for yeah. you to be the gratitude list guy. It just might be something that. So I, I, I get that. Um, yep. What do you think? Like, can you just give me like one takeaway from the event? Just something that really you thought, or even a couple, whatever, if you can't pick one, just that really like moved you or, cause I know you're a big recruiter and I'm going to get into that, but you know, what was something that really kind of changed maybe, maybe your mind a little bit? I think one thing that stood out was uh, both Shalev. I don't remember his last name. He's, he's, he's foreign. Yeah. Really cool dude though. Yeah. And then uh, Jared, Jared Bringhurst, they were both talking about sort of a similar thing, which was tapping into the six basic human needs in your actual recruiting process. So a lot of times when people recruit, it's like, look at, look at the opportunity. You know, here's what we can do for you. Here's how much money you can make. We're going to help you grow. You know, and they might tap into like two 
two or three of the six basic human needs. Like they might talk about growth. They might talk about like the money and the opportunity financially. Um, but usually that's it. And like, even for me, I am really good at certain parts of recruiting, but recruiting is like, there's a bunch of levels to it. It's not just like, it's the one thing, like there's layers to recruiting. And I was really good at getting people interested and building anticipation and curiosity. But in the actual interviews, I'm pretty bad. And I, I learned a lot because I was like, oh, I don't do that at all. And that makes sense because when I first interview people, I'm usually only focusing on like, you know, what do you want? Let me see if I can help you get there. I'm very logical. I'm very pragmatic. And so I just kind of want to get to the point. And uh, it was cool learning about like the importance of building up the emotional side of it and recognizing how important it is to get them emotionally involved and emotionally bought in and ramped up, you know, talking about a good memory in their past, like something that they really cherished a while ago, like it's something they were proud of in their life and tying that positive emotion to you and anchoring that. So uh, I think that that was probably like the biggest takeaway that I got. And that's just because, you know, when you go to these events, there's a lot of stuff that you've heard 400 times, but then there's those one or two things that you're like, oh, I'm really shitty at that thing. I, and it's working for them. So I'm going to try to be less shitty at that moving forward. So. No, that's uh, that's a, I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up. Cause I literally just went through that. Like I kind of like, I feel like every quarter I, I try to give reps, like, you know, something like a packet to do, or just something to do to check in on top of what we're already doing. And I told it my a couple of my leaders, I'm like, listen, we're gonna do this because it's going to 100 like weaned out people. They're going like two or three people are mm -hmm. gonna want to do it. They're gonna be like, this is too real for me. I gotta go, and that's exactly what happened. And you know, about a year yep. ago, I hired. You know, you talk about masterminds, like you know, um, I, I hired a, a a personal coach for business, and she's you know, uh, the price tag's exactly where it should be. And, and it's a, it's a hefty investment for me, but it's one of the most life-changing opportunities I've had. And her and I were talking about that on a session we had last week where it's like, cause I had these two people that quit. I, I had been like, you know what? I should never hired him. Cause, and I take full ownership of it. I don't think it's their fault. It's my fault. And then mm -hmm. she, she takes me always back to those realms. Like if your rep comes to you in an emotional realm, cause I'm like you, I'm just a logical guy. What's the problem? Let's find a solution. Let's fix the problem. But sometimes they can't hear that, right? They need the emotional side of it. Um, and I think that's huge because I, I struggle with the same exact thing you're talking about, where it's like, yeah, I get you. Do you want to make some money? Here's what you can do. Here's the blueprint. Take the blueprint and go run it. But that's not, yeah. that's not, that's not how, I mean, you know, the greats have been able to do that because they've had the time. But when you're, when I'm growing from a smaller position, um, so yeah, I, I think that's great. So um, you've, you've been in the industry a little over eight years. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And, and how old are you now? 28? Yep. Okay. So what kind of brought you into door-to-door? -door? So when I graduated high school, I, I originally was like lower middle income family. I always wanted to be successful. I was always doing side hustles and different shit to, to make some cash. And I just didn't have a path of like what that was or what that was going to look like. So that's, I mean, it's just like anybody else. Nobody's like, I'm going to go and do door-to-door -door sales for five to 10 years to set myself up for financial success. Like nobody, nobody has that game plan coming out yeah. of school. It's yeah. like, yeah. you know, it comes, it comes upon you and you somehow stumble into it. And then, and then like, you're like, all right, I'll do it for one summer to set myself up. And then, you know, eight years later, here we are. So yeah. uh, I, I was living in Salt Lake city at the time. I'd done some phone sales jobs. I did a little bit of network marketing, um, you know, some odd, odd stuff for like sales and some hustles. And my buddy, that was living with us at the time, one of our roommates was like, Oh yeah, I do alarms. Like I didn't know him. He knew my other friend. 
And he was talking about how he made like a shit ton of money in alarms. And I'm like, what do you mean, dude? Like you're knocking doors. Like that's, is that a thing? Like, you know, you have a suit and a briefcase and you're selling insurance. Like that's, <laughs> that's what I thought. Like it was, it was so foreign to me that that was a thing. And it's funny because I grew up in Utah, but I wasn't around the network of people where that was normal or that was like a thing. Like I didn't know door to door existed. Yeah. So I heard about it. I was like, all right, let me chat with some companies. And I talked to uh dish one uh, back in the day before their caliber. I talked to uh, protection one, which was an alarm company. And then I talked to Northstar, and those were the three companies that I was chatting with. And, uh, I was telling them that I was meeting with other companies and they started like offering, like, we'll give you a thousand bucks. I'm like, for what? And they're like, well, to sign with us. And I'm like, wait, just to agree to like join your company. Like you're just going to give me. So I learned about sign on bonuses before I even knocked the door. And so I started negotiating and uh, the highest I got to was both Protection One and North Star were offering five grand wow. to just go out with them for the summer. And I was like, all right, I'm like 20, I think I was 20 years old. And I was like, all right, I can get five G's to just to go work, just to agree to go work. I don't even have to guarantee a certain amount of sales. So I'm like, all right, that's pretty cool. And uh, I decided Protection One, I felt a little bit weird about North Star. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do P1. And my buddy at the time, He's a mutual friend of another friend was the director of training for North Star. So when I told him I wasn't going to come to North Star. He's like, all right, bro. Well, here, here's the deal. If you're not going to come and work for North Star, I will leave my position and come with you to build this like tiny company in, in Boise, Idaho. That's a startup with a couple friends out there. The company is called Smart Home Security. They were a dealer for safe security. And he was like, I think we can do some big stuff. You know, they're tapping into this like smart home stuff. This is back in... Uh, this is back in 2015. And so like smart home wasn't really big yet. There were a couple of companies that were starting to do like, you know, keyless entries and, and some of that stuff. Doorbell cameras weren't out yet. And so I was like, all right, cool. Like, let's, let's check it out. So I chatted with them. They're like, Hey, we're not going to give you five grand, uh, but we'll give you 600 bucks for gas and to like be in a motel for a few days. I'm like, word, let's do it. So, <laughs> so me and my buddy back up the car, cruise out to freaking Boise, Idaho. We get out there, we check into the uh, Sandman Inn and Suites. It's a real motel. You can look it up. <laughs> and it's ghetto, ghetto as shit, man. Like really, really crappy motel. And uh, we get in there and they text us. And like the owners text us. And they're like, hey, we're going to be, uh, we're going to a conference. So just find an area and go knock some doors and sell some deals tomorrow. And I'm like, what the fuck do you mean? I, like, like sell, sell some, knock some doors. Like what doors? Where, where am I going? Like I, I was so confused because like, I mean, you know, if this is a new world to you, like no scripts, no pitch, like no area assignment, no app. Uh, I didn't even have paperwork or anything. So I'm like, all right, this is weird. So the next day we're driving out and uh, we're just literally driving around random neighborhoods for like an hour. And I'm looking at my buddy. I'm like, I don't know what we're supposed to do. So I'm like, all right, screw this. So we go to a parking lot at the grocery store. We see a liquor store out there. Uh, we see a guy walking out. I pull out a 20. I'm like, hey man, go in and get a bottle of Sailor Jerry's for us. Uh, and you can keep the change. Sure enough, he does. So we get a bottle of Sailor Jerry's. We go back to the motel, we drink, and then we just did knock doors. And so the next day, uh, you know, they text us like, Hey, we'll like get you the pitch and stuff. Like we'll be back in like a day. And then, you know, so we didn't really knock any doors. They come back. Uh, they give us a couple of paper contracts and we start selling some deals and doing our thing. It was literally like the office was the dude's garage. He had like a two, three bedroom house in Meridian, Idaho. And so we would meet in his garage. He had a bunch of like alarm signs posted up on his garage wall. And we just had like a couch in there. And that was like the, the HQ. And so it was like me, my buddy, and there's one other guy in the beginning. And then the two owners, 
And uh, we just started building the company. About a month later, James left North Star and came out to work with us. That first summer, I did like 72, 73 alarms, something like that. So I did okay. Made some decent money that summer. Um, to make a long story short, it was actually pretty funny. We were waiting to get licensed in Oregon to go up there because they're like, oh, Oregon's amazing. Like, it's a great market. We're going to crush it out there. Yeah. Uh, not true if you're looking at Eugene, Oregon. <laughs> yeah. Never knock at Eugene, Oregon for alarms. <laughs> College town. We're like, hey, we're here to help protect your home. They're like, oh, dude, we leave our doors unlocked. I'm like, well, we're fucked. We made the worst decision ever. So anyways, we, uh, we were in hotels when we first got out there. And we were in hotels for like a month, dude. We were sick of it. There was cramped. So we're like, let's just get some fresh air. Let's take a break. Let's go camping for like two days. So we get a tent, we go camping and we were having a blast, you know, after a couple of days, we're like, let's just stay here a little longer. So we buy more stuff. We set up camp and those two days turned into two months of camping in the woods and then knocking doors while we were literally living in tents. So we would camp, we would go and like party each night with a case of beer around the fire. We'd wake up. We'd be a little hungover. We'd slam our green juice and our red juice. And we'd, you know, do some pancakes on the griddle by the fire. Oh, we'd no. go work out at the the little town gym. There's a town called Sweet Home, Oregon. And it's like a little meth town, but like we crushed it out there. And so we would shower at the gym. We'd put our uniform on. We would drive out. We'd slay it, go get, you know, a couple of alarms in the day. And, uh, you know, we'd come back and party. And we did that for two months, man. So that's mental, dude. Yeah, there's actually a sign in uh, in my office, a big wooden sign. I don't know if you've seen it. It's in some of my videos that I post on social media. It says Camp Savage. Yeah. And that's still from that first summer. We spray painted it and we had it posted up by our camp. And there was like four tents and there was ADT signs like outside of our tents. We would like put ADT signs out, like staked in the ground in front of our tents. You'd look over in the morning and you'd see uh, Jared. He was the CFO. He'd be in his underwear with like a joint in his mouth with a beer. And he'd be on this little pop-up table and he'd literally be writing our checks to on payroll for the week. He's like, does this look right? I look at the check. It's like a few grand. I'm like, looks good to me. Like it was so bad, dude. It was so unorganized. And uh, that was my first taste of door to door. Whoa. That's that, that might, that might be top five for me, man. I've heard some good first year stories, (laughs) but that might be, that might be top five for me, dude. Um, It was fun, man. So 78 alarms your first year for summer. Yeah, like 72, 73, yeah. I mean, that ain't a bad summer, your first summer, even with the conditions. I can't imagine if we would have... It's it's funny that you bring this up because... um, And we'll kind of get in more to your story, but I know a little bit about it, right? You've gone through several companies before. You know, obviously, you are where you are now, but... uh, And how important is it to... um, When you bring someone in the industry to take care of them? Like, when you first bring a brand new person in the industry... Because it's so easy, I think, to recruit from within the industry. You know, it's like... Yeah, I mean, it makes it difficult in the long run because if they come for money, they leave for money, and that old all those old adages of how do you retain people that know everything about everything. But when you're grabbing a kid or an adult or a husband or a wife, it doesn't matter. Like if you're bringing, if you're you know, hey, quit your job and come work here, or if you're a young kid coming out of college, like hey, come give up your summer, you know, your time to do nothing and come grind. You know, like it seems like people that are you know in your shoes. um, that didn't have any, like you just said, didn't have any, any, any material, anything. They didn't provide any training, nothing. You're, you're going to have a hard time kind of staying around because everything's going to look better. Every, somebody's going to show you a better opportunity and you're going to be like, yeah, that's great. I like that. I want to do that. And then that's what starts to happen is like, this is, I think it's a good message for a lot of people is like, you're the way that you recruit is how you're going to keep them around. And then you're going to benefit the industry more so long term, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. I, 
my problem was like, I, I always thought I was the exception to the rule. And so, um, you know, like we always hear these lessons and you're like, oh yeah, that's good advice. But like, <laughs> yeah. sometimes when you're younger, you have this, like, you're just dumb, dude. You just have this yeah. ego. You, you just think that you're smarter than the advice that they're giving you. You're like, oh yeah, that's good advice, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it better than you. And, and that's, that's what I believed. Uh, I didn't consciously think that I was better than people, but subconsciously I was like, oh yeah, no, like I'm going to do it my way. So after that summer, they kind of fell apart towards the end of the summer you know, I was getting like August, September, like everybody was like stopping selling deals. The owners were like getting into like smoking weed and drinking all day. Like it just fell the fuck apart, bro. It was really bad. So I was like, all right, um, I'm going to dip. So I took the next year off actually and invested my money into starting a supplement company. And at the time it was called EO Stacks. I was really into like nootropics and supplements. I still am. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to go manufacture the supplement. I'm going to like, you know, be a business owner. I just like thought like, Oh, I only have to work hard, you know, one summer and I can be the successful multimillionaire business owner. It's not how it fucking works. So I started up the company, invested all the cash, all of it into manufacturing the product itself. So I had zero marketing budget, right? Zero, zero investment into the actual branding. So I had this really high quality nootropic supplement is just like to help you like with memory and focus and attention. And I had 1100 bottles of this. And I sold like 40 of them to my war market. And I'm like, now what? (laughs) So yeah, it just didn't work out. And I was like, all right, well, uh, after like six months of this, like not having any cash, like I got to go back to door to door. Uh, At the time, my buddy was going out with Vivint. He did a summer the year before with Vivint. He was out in, uh, I think they were like Lancaster, Palmdale. This would have been 2016 that I had the supplement company. And so I decided in 2017, I was going to go out and sell these guys. They're going to go to Colorado. So uh, I was dating at the time, uh, my now wife, girlfriend at the time, Kelsey, and me and her moved out to Highlands Ranch, Colorado, right? We were out there, started knocking that whole summer. I'm pretty sure I did less than 40 alarms the whole summer. And I stayed for extension. Like I, I literally stayed until like the end of September. And most of it was that I just didn't work, honestly. Like I, me and my buddy, I, I just justified hanging out with him in the car and like yeah. the whole let's let's spend an hour at the gas station let's talk about how good we are at sales and how we're just going to go get a deal in prime time because it's easy and then you don't get a deal in prime time and then you come home early like classic bullshit story that you tell yourself and the frustrating part in hindsight is i really needed to make money that summer yeah i really really needed to like succeed that summer because i was already broke my girlfriend and i uh, had recently gotten into a fight and she headed back. It was like the middle of the summer. She headed back to Utah to get her family. Oh, she came out with two, you for the summer. Yeah, originally. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was just like not taking it super serious. I would like party a lot. Uh, you know, I wasn't really making that much cash. The whole office actually wasn't doing that great. Um, the, the year prior, they did really well. And the whole office was kind of subpar. There were a couple of people doing decent, but most of the office was kind of suck. Yeah. And I, I was just like drinking, taking it easy, not being smart. And a few weeks after she went back, she calls me, I'm on the doors and she tells me she's pregnant and I'm like, Oh fuck. Yeah. You know? And like, <laughs> I'm not going to lie and tell you like, Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah. We're going to have this beautiful family. Like I wish, <laughs> I wish I had said that, but I wasn't, I was broke. I was going through some challenges. Uh, I had, uh, you know, like just, I, I was just struggling 
And I'm like, all right, well, this sucks. Uh, I'm like, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll call you later. I got to process this. I had a follow-up, right? A go back. And so I went, I was like, all right, first let me go to this go back. So I went to this go back, closed the guy. And then uh, I Hell talked to my yeah. buddy and I was like, let's, let's go to the bar. So I closed the guy. Then we go to the bar and I have a beer. Perfect. And I'm just like sitting there, sipping my beer, staring at it, questioning my entire life, wondering where I went wrong <laughs> at, you know, 20, 22 years old. And Oof. I, I was just trying to figure out like, what, what was I going to do? And I tried getting my shit together. Like I really, I really did. I was trying to work a little bit harder, but my headspace was all fucked up and I just didn't do that. Well, I filed for extension. I didn't do that. Well, so like I said, so less than 40 alarms. Um, after that, my same buddy was like, let's go into pest control, man. I got buddies in pest control, making money. I'm like, Oh, pest control. It's certainly not me. It's the industry, right? That's what we always say. And so I'm like, all right, let's get into this pest control thing. So we start prepping, we start recruiting a team. I've never, keep in mind, I've never sold pest control. And I go to Vantage and I'm like, hey, we're going to recruit a team of 30 people and we're going to be a manager. And so we worked out a marketing deal and uh, we recruited 30 people oh, and we go wow. out to Portland, Oregon. And so we've got a team of 30 guys. Wait, hold on. Before never... I, wait, 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 wait. Because that, don't skip over that part. So, <laughs> so, and I, I, Anytime somebody says something good, I can't let you keep talking because you'll go on a roll and I'll forget. Here's the thing. You it's like you're how do you how did you recruit 30 people like that? Uh I was always really good at at getting people riled up. I think that's something that I did have a gift. Like we always talk about uh gifts and like I was never good at like I had to I had to train myself to be an extrovert. To give you an example, and we'll I'll, I'll answer the question. When I graduated high school, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I went into college, Dixie State. And a couple of weeks or like right before college started, I got recruited to this network marketing company. All my friends were like, this is a scam. It's a pyramid scheme. You're a dumbass. Like literally my friends turned to my enemies. I'm not kidding. Like friends that I went to high school with, I had no friends after that. Like they all thought it was a scam. I'm not no friends. I had very few. And so I was like, all right, everybody in my town, St. George, Utah, small town, Everybody's like, this is a scam. You're an idiot. So I'm like, all right, well, I got to figure out how to sell these $550 starter packs of healthy energy drinks and juice to 18 year olds and tell them they're going to be millionaires. And so I started watching recordings of the number one person in the company. Alex Morton was his name. He was like a 20 something year old, uh, you know, millionaire. And I was like, this guy's God, I'm going to be like him. <laughs> so I memorized his pitch. I fell asleep listening to his pitch again and again and again and again and again. And I went to college, had my backpack full of energy drinks. And I learned how to cold market to people. I would shoulder tap them. And for the first two days, I'm not making this up. You can talk to people here and ask them about it. I, I was so terrified of talking to strangers. I went pale. I got sweaty. And I got shaky. And I, I felt like I was going to pass out. So I tap on the shoulder and go to introduce myself. I would look at them blankly and I'd walk away. So for two days, I couldn't even introduce myself. I'm not kidding, man. It was bad. And I love um, that. You know, to this day, I still feel like scared to talk to people. Like I was shaking when i did my two uh speeches on stage the last couple of days of the recruiting so i did good but you know i still get sick to my stomach and get super nervous so anyways i recruited 36 people that first month organically through shoulder tapping cold marketing and i didn't know it at the time until like a month later because the company reached out to me there's about 20 30 thousand people in that network marketing company at the time and i set a company record my first month in there at 18 years old i recruited 36 people to buy these 550 dollars juice packs by touching them on the shoulder, introducing myself, telling them, hey, if you come and listen to this pitch that I have, I'll give you a free energy drink, whether or not you join. So they would come in, I'd give them the free energy drink, I'd pitch them, 
and I'd have them pull out their student loan uh, credit cards they were supposed to use for books. And I'd convince them to swipe that to sign up for this network marketing company because we're all going to be rich together. And I did that business for like eight months. So I, I taught myself to be extroverted wow. because by default, still, I'm very introverted. Like by nature, I don't like going out and being super social most of the time. I can do it and it's fun, you know, in small doses, but I'd much rather like be by myself. I don't even like working out with people, bro. Dead ass. Like people are like, you want to work out together? I'm like, not really. I want to listen to a podcast and work out. Like, <laughs> I don't want to talk bro. and have you ruin my set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, I, I, I don't. I'm, I'm not that guy. Yeah. So anyways, to loop, to loop back to your, your question, I just, I don't know, man. Like I, I was never really good at that, but I was good at getting people fired up. And, and like when I, I knew when I wanted something, I could get people bought into a vision by sharing my story, by sharing my excitement. And so those 30 people is just posting on Facebook, reaching out to people and getting them fired up on the potential of a better life. Like that's something that I've always been good at. Like, this is where you're at. This is where you could be. Let's do it together. Let's build something. Let's go do this thing. Uh, because it was like, we have nothing to lose. Like your life's already shitty. Let's, let's at least risk everything to try and make it less shitty. So that's how we recruited those 30 people. Me and my buddy just through social media and like getting people fired up. Yeah, I love that, dude. So, so, and what I hear a lot with what you're saying, it's interesting too, because it's like, you know, you go from not being able to do shit to now accomplishing where you're at now, but, um, in the sense of like not being able to like talk to people and associate with them. And that's like the main thing with our job, right? I mean, that's the main thing and, and push the ability to push through any type of insecurity. So, what do you think up to that point? Like, what kept bringing you back to door to door to then switching to pest control? to selling the, whatever it was, the juice boxes to the kids at school, like what kept pushing you to go back? I mean, cause you could have easily gotten a desk job somewhere, gotten a degree, made a hundred grand a year and just chilled. So what kept pushing you back? Uh, part of it was that I, I, I tried the desk job thing. You know, I've, I've worked a bunch of different jobs, most of them for less than two weeks straight up. Uh, I'm, I'm for sure incapable of working for somebody else. And I, 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 I kind of like, I kind of like knew that since I was born to some extent, but after, after like 17 jobs and like the longest job I ever held, I think was eight months. And that was when I was, uh, I don't even know when it was. I think it was when I was in high school, bro. I think I was 17. Yeah, it was. It was when I was in high school. I was working for a trampoline park in high school and it was just so I could pay for gas and go hang out with friends. And that was the longest job I ever held. And so like, number one, I knew I was incapable of working a nine to five and it wasn't worth the suffering. And like, I didn't want to do it. And then the second thing with door to door is like, I knew people had been successful. As long as I knew somebody could do it, as long as I knew it was possible, Mm. I was like, I might not have figured it out yet, but I will, I will figure this out. And so in the beginning, I took a bad approach, right? I did the classic company hop, industry hop, you know, it's, it's not me. It's the opportunity. It's the company. It's the leader. It's the market. I was always looking for things outside of myself. And in and th- that moment, I didn't think I was doing that. In that moment, I thought I was making the right decision. But in hindsight, truthfully, I just did not want to look myself in the mirror and say, no, dude, you actually have to get way more discipline and knock way more doors and be way more consistent and stay where you're at. Because had I done that, you know, I probably would have crushed it. But here's the thing too, to that point, if people are listening to this, I think it's important to remember when you have these reflection periods where you're looking back at sort of like the quote unquote mistakes that you've made. If I would have stayed, let's say with that first or second company, right? Let's say I stayed with Vivint and I was like, well, I had a shit summer, but I know people are crushing it here. I'm going to go all in and I'm going to keep crushing it. With where I'm at right now, I'm light years ahead of where I would have been had I stayed with Vivint and plugged away. But I will say 
for the last six or so years, I would have been far more wealthy had I stayed at Vivint. And so I do believe to an extent that things do happen for a reason, right? People say that and it sounds cheesy as shit, but I really, really do. I think that things happen as they're supposed to. Um, but I had to learn the lessons through experience, even though I had mentors and had people telling me what to do, I just didn't listen. And finally, after failing so many times and fucking up so many times, making the wrong decisions so many times, uh, I finally began to make better decisions that led me to where, you know, I'm kind of at today. And so, uh, that summer, you know, we didn't do that great. Portland's an expensive market. You know, we opened up a bunch of apartments downtown Portland. Uh, you know, we had some alcoholics on the team. We were kind of reckless. Like, uh, we had a really cool culture. I will say like towards the end of the summer in August, we had all the team, including this black dude, uh, bleach our hair blonde to commit our, our, or to pledge our commitment to the team. We were like, <laughs> all right, everybody's bleaching your hair blonde. We're all in the bug boys are going all out. We're going to crush everybody. So like show our commitment. We're all bleaching our hair blonde and we didn't know what we were doing. So like half the people's hair turned purple or like orange, like, cause you know, we're literally doing it in the office. There's a picture on my Instagram. I scroll far back of all of us in this room in the correlation office and we're just like bleaching each other's hair man and uh the reason i bring up the black dude is just hilarious because you know his hair is all curly literally looked like ramen noodles on top of his head (laughs) alex burgess if he's listening to this man he's still in sales he's a badass but we were really good at like building culture and getting people excited but none of us were really killing it man like i only did uh i think i did less than 200 service accounts that summer and and keep in mind like i was training people on how to sell pest control before i knocked the door for pest control just like a lot of the the gurus out there, like trying to teach people how to do things successfully when they've never fucking done it in their lives. That was me, man. That was me. I I had a real ego. I really did. You know, I thought like, oh, it doesn't matter. I can teach people how to do it. Sure, I figured it out. But like, you know, I was not serving those people in the best way by recruiting them when I had not been able to teach them how to do it at a high level. So after that summer, uh, we got approached to open up an office for another company, BioShield. They wanted to open up their DC branch for pest control. Jeez. Same thing. I'm like, all right, we didn't do that great. We made a little bit of cash that summer. Like, let's go open up this new market for this new company because new, 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 exciting, exciting, exciting. Like, instead of staying put and being disciplined and, you know, building on our momentum, let's start from the beginning because that's what entrepreneurs do. We're masochists. We like just suffer and start <laughs> fresh. And we, it's, instead, of, instead of working hard to build something valuable, why not just go get lucky? That's way easier, right? Yeah. And so, you know, we go, we open up this branch for, for BioShield in DC. Uh, quite frankly, this, this was one of those experiences where it truly like most of the issues that summer were actually due to the company, I will say. Um, we were promised like uh, they were going to be servicing same day, next day, worst case, two days out. We were two to three weeks out the entire summer. So being in a competitive pest control market like DC, where you're knocking on a door, and eight to 10 other companies have knocked them within the last 24 hours. It was to this day, the most uh, competitive market that I've been in. And uh, trying to get them to stay with you when they have been serviced for two weeks, when there's you know another two dozen people in that time period knocking and trying to sell them, wasn't easy. So we struggled. By the end of the summer, we started with like 30. We ended with like five, four or five, including me and my, my co-manager, wow. straight up. And, uh, you know, after the summer, we were going to get our check. We paid all the expenses. We were, we were owed like 35, I was owed like 35 grand, something like that. And, um, the back end day came and I'm like, Hey, where's, where's, you know, where's the money? They're like, Oh, we're working on it. They give us like another week or two because like, there's, you know, we're just like running the final numbers. Like, what do you mean? We hopped on the call. We looked at the spreadsheet. We went through all the expenses. There was like a hundred and something grand. 
80 grand of expenses. I'm owed like 35 something left. <laughs> and, uh, a, another week or two goes by. And I remember just like running out of money, you know, cause like all my upfront cash was running out. So I needed my back end. And I'm out in California with my wife's family and we're out there. And uh, I remember getting on the phone and them telling me that, hey, after we ran the numbers, there were additional expenses we didn't account for uh, that, you know, uh, you actually went negative. But here's what we'll do. We want to hook you up. We don't want you going negative. Obviously, we don't want you owing us money. So if you sign right now, we'll give you five grand a day. We'll put in your account. And I'm like, you pieces of shit. Truly. I was so I was so mad, man. And at that point, I was like, okay, it's been four summers. Uh, all of them ended not in a way that I wanted, right? I did the recruiting thing. I did the managing thing. And I was like, screw this. I'm not going to recruit. I'm not going to manage. At that time, I didn't know what I was going to do. For a second, I was like, I have no clue. Like, maybe I'm just on a door-to-door. Uh, maybe I try the nine-to-five thing again and like give up. I was just like really, really upset. Uh, heard about the solar thing. Uh, my buddy, Brett, who's the son of Brett Boucher, the owner of Freedom Forever, uh, I've known him for like 10 years, man. So uh, he hit me up. And uh, ironically enough, we were originally not going to work with Freedom. I can't remember if his dad was the owner at that time or not. Uh, I think he was, but I can't remember. We we're actually going to join Better Earth, though. So flew out to California, met with Zane in his apartment, and uh, you know, met with like uh, Freedom. And we were kind of like looking at different things. So we decided to do Sunder. Uh, so beginning of 2020, moved out to San Diego wife and newborn son. I'm broke. Uh, they gave me just enough cash to relocate, to get out there. And I'm like, all right, let's try and figure this solar thing out. And that first month I set, I think like my first or second week, I set, uh, I set a bunch of appointments or whatever, but I remember I, I stacked three appointments in one day, all three set, all three closed. And I'm like, I made the right call. I did it. Fuck. Yes. I'm finally going to be rich. I'm like adding up the numbers in my head. And I'm like, all right, that's like nine grand in a day. You know, with my setter commission, I'm like, I did it. Within 24 hours, all three of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, I am, I'm hopeless. Like, I was like, dude, <laughs> this is so shitty. I was freaking out. I'm like, what am I going to do? My rent's due next month. I, like, they're not paying for it anymore. I got to pay for it. Uh, and so I was really butthurt. Um, and, and honestly, like, I thought I could do a better job than the closers. Because uh, I noticed when I was shadowing them in the closes, things that they were skipping that I just, I always had like a fundamental gift with sales and communicating with people. I don't know what it is. Like, I, I will say that I've been fairly good at just like being able to communicate transparently and in a way that people can relate to and, and, and just naturally move somebody through a decision. Mm. Right. Yeah. So I, I went to the managers and I was like, Hey guys, uh, please let me like skip this process. Like I got to make money and I can't depend on these closers for this. Like, please let me close my own deals. So we kind of worked it out where I was going to be like separated from the team and they're going to let me close my own deals. And I went out and got a same day that first day that guy ended up installing the next day. I got another same day that guy ended up installing. And I was like, all right, I'm pretty good at this thing. Yeah. So recruited a couple buddies. They came out. I opened up an apartment below me because they had a special, we didn't have to pay deposit or rent until the first or the second month. So I opened up a, an apartment below me to invest. And I got those guys in there. I was training them for a couple of weeks. And then they were out knocking and they got some appointments. We were just about to build momentum. COVID hits. This was March. And in San Diego and California in general, they're like, nobody's allowed to do shit. Everybody stop. Everybody, nobody move. Nobody do anything. And so we're like, okay, sick. Uh, we were just about to make money. I spent the last little bit of my cash on like bills from a couple of installs that I had and then opening up this apartment. 
I've got like one month to figure this out or I'm screwed. So we tried online sales. Uh, we had some like leads. We were like cold calling people and we were trying to get on Zoom and like do some workarounds. We failed like three or four credits our first week. We we're like, fuck, what are we going to do, man? Um, COVID was weird. They ended up getting freaked out. One of them was like, I think I'm going to go to like Hawaii and hunker down, man. Like this is the end of the world. Like my buddy's out there. I think we're going to like, you know, get guns and ammo. Like for real. He's like what? talking like this. My other buddy's like, yeah, man, I got to be, I got to be around my family. This is getting weird. I'm going to go back to Montana. So like they both dip out. I have the second apartment. I'm like, what do I do now? Um, at that time, my other buddies that I'd known for a long time were getting into solar. They're getting into solar marketing specifically because they were, they had marketing backgrounds. And so they were like, oh, we're going to do this. And I was like, oh, I'm in solar. You guys are in marketing. Like my buddy that does marketing, like, let me connect you guys. So I connected them. And then I was like, hey, if you guys are going to do this, why don't I just team up with you? So this would have been, you know, April, I think of 2020 when yeah. we started this, it was solar sales pro at the beginning it was online door knockers or coaching company. So we started doing leads for people, ads for people. Um, and then a few months later, we started up a sales dealer with the franchise and, uh, I opened it with some business partners that my buddy knew that I didn't know personally, but I was like, all right, cool. Let's do this. And I, I you know how that story ended. Uh, it was a fucking disaster. Um, you know, we did that dealer for first for like a few months of the franchise. We went to Empire Direct. Uh, the month before Empire, everyone knows Empire went bankrupt. The month before they went bankrupt, our company at that time was Seed Solar. We were the third biggest dealer for sales that month. There was Vivint, Radix, and Seed Solar that month. Next month, they go bankrupt. Lost a shit ton of money. It was not good. Yeah, but you had a real uh, low red line, I'm sure, right before they went out of business. You had a real low red line. <laughs> that 185, that 18 red line was so spicy, though. I know, I know. We were doing a lot of stuff in Vegas, and they're like, hey, good news. Like, we're going from a 205 to like a 190 or some shit. And uh, yeah, it, it wasn't great, man. So that hurt. And then so we went uh, direct to Titan, and we were doing the Titan thing in Satuity because we did a national dealer because we had people selling in multiple states. And, uh, I was just sick of my partners not pulling their weight. I recruited everybody except for two people in the entire company. I came up with the name. I designed the logo. I paid for the logo. I, uh, ordered all the uniforms and stuff. I like coordinated all the blitzes, like pretty much everything like truly was like done by me. And I, I just didn't feel like it was a fair transaction, a fair partnership because we were all equal partners. And so came to him on a zoom call. I was like, guys, I am personally going to leave on the door-to-door -door side and I'm going to take the people that I've personally recruited. You guys keep whoever you want and I'm going to do my own thing. I was like, but because we had a sub dealer at the time, we had a couple sub dealers and they were like making enough money passively without managing them just by going through us. And we were all paying our bills off of that. So I was like, hey, we can still keep this thing going because it's passive, whatever. And so they're like, all right, sounds good. They agreed. We we're just going to keep the sub dealer thing you know, and then I was going to go direct. So then we have our big event uh, for our coaching company that we're doing that next week. We go out there, we sell out this event. We rent out Homestead Ranch in St. George, Utah. We have like, I don't know, like 40, 50 people, something like that out there. It was a kick-ass event. And the second day while I'm like on stage, my phone's blowing up. So I get off stage, I'm done speaking. I check my phone. Those partners deleted my email account, logged me out of Slack or team chat, uh, took me out of the bank account, deleted my information, sent some money to their personal accounts, right? And I basically eliminated me from being a part of that company. And I'm like, oh, fuck. 
here we go. Uh, they're, they're not responding at all for like two days. Events over. We're in an Airbnb with a couple of our leaders uh, for the door-to-door company, right? And uh, I get this text and it's from them. And it's this massive text. And it says, we filed a trademark on Seed Solar. We now own the brand. Give up everything. Give up your equity. Sign it over to us. Or, or uh, we're going to take legal action since we're the legal owners of the trademark. You're not allowed to use this name. You're not allowed to use this logo, blah, 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 blah. And it was laughable, number one. I obviously could have won the lawsuit. Like I had so much proof. Like I built all the dealer relationships. I knew the installers. Trademarks don't even come that fast. Yeah, it takes months to issues. It wasn't even approved exactly. All this shit. We found out later they didn't even file the trademark, which I kind of figured, but like the point was irrelevant. The point was these motherfuckers aren't going to go down easy. And if we try to stick with this name and keep it going here, it's just going to be a bloodbath for everybody. It's not worth it. So after like five minutes of being upstairs with my uh, coaching business partners at that time, I showed them the text. And for about five minutes, we're like, fuck these motherfuckers. We're going to take a baseball bat. We're going to go break some kneecaps. Like, tell these people, like, we're like, seriously, we're so pissed. And then after five minutes of that, we're like, all right, what's our next move? Uh, we got to change the name. Uh, obviously, like, and I looked at them. I was like, we, we talked about it. We already do business together. I trust you guys. Work together forever. You're just my best friends. We're crushing it on the coaching business. We know the results in solar. Let's do this thing together. And so we came up with the name Grateful because we were like, after being fucked over again and again and again, after people screwing you over, after getting kicked down, after going through struggles, after losing money, um, having an abundance mentality and being grateful at all times was like the one thing that stuck. Yeah. It was like the one thing that kept us going. So we're like, Grateful Solar, Grateful Solar. So we got the domain. We built the emails. We uh, like literally like created the website that day. We went downstairs to the Airbnb with like our six-ish leaders. We told them everything transparently. Like, here's what happened. Here's what's going on. You guys are welcome to go with these guys. You're welcome to go join another company because you might not want to be associated with this. But here's our vision. And here's what we're going to do. Who's in? Everybody's like, I'm in. So, you know, we started that company that day. And then we started the sales dealer with that for a while. Um, decided we wanted to go all in on one market because we were spreading ourselves thin. We had a Colorado Springs team, a Los Angeles team, and a Houston team. And I was in Utah at the time. My other partners were in Cali and, and Vegas. So it was really spread out. And like all the teams were doing okay. You know, everyone's making okay money. People were getting an okay amount of deals. And we were like, we got to go all in on one market if we're going to really blow this thing up. So we decided on Texas, on Houston specifically, because that's where our team was, the biggest team. And we knew the installs were faster there. And a week before we move out there, you know, I convinced my wife, hey, uh, we're going to pick up our entire lives again for the millionth time. <laughs> and you got to trust me that this time it's going to be different than the other last 10 times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's like, you sack of shit. <laughs> like, not good, dude. She was so pissed. She was like, you know, sobbing, rough week. Like, it was awful. And so we decided to rally and we're getting ready to move to Houston. A week before we get out there, our, our team gets on a Zoom call with us and they're like, hey, and this is a rep house that we paid for, uh, you know, got furniture for fridge, things like that. And they call us and they're like, we're all dipping to Sunder. They have a low baseline. We're going over there. And we're like, you guys all feel this way. They're like, yeah, yeah. Like Texas is weird. We got to sell for dirt cheap. They're selling for this amount and making millions of dollars. I'm like, you guys are going to have to learn the hard way of what is really true over there. Like, like, but go for it. So the whole team, every single person in Houston quits. Oh. This is right after oh. we already told LA and Colorado 
if you don't come to Houston, go find another company because we're not going to be able to support you. We're going all in on one market. So we're looking at each other after that call, me and my partners, and we're like, well, what do we do? We're like, well, we said we're going to go to Houston and build an empire. We're going to go to Houston and build an empire. So we get out there. I moved there February of this year. And uh, it's me and my partner, James, and one kid that's 18 that graduated early from North Dakota, the son of the guy who mentored us. And he's out there and we're just knocking doors. That's it. Ground zero, starting fresh. A few of the guys came over from Colorado after a few weeks. One of the guys came over from Vegas a few weeks later. And uh, I met up with a guy who's now my business partner, Blake, out there who had a small roofing company. And they were a dealer for another installer out there, a local one, that now like we basically like acquired those guys to work under us as the actual labor crews in Houston. And we were like, let's start our own installer. Why not? Let's go vertically integrated. Like if we're going to do something big, let's go all the way. And so March of this year was when we actually formed a grateful company, which is in-house solar, in-house roofs, carbon credits, commercial solar, commercial roofs, resi, all, like all the things that are related to the renewable uh, stuff. And we've been building out since, since March. We've done 19.2 million in revenue collected, not like sold, just collected revenue as a business since then. And uh, it's been wild, man. But that's like the that's like the full the full. I mean, obviously, all of those you could go way deeper, but that's kind of the shebang, man. Yeah, really powerful stuff, and 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 really honest. And you know, I I I've been watching it happen too. And I think like the one question I was going to ask that you 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 know you answered that kept going through my mind is like, how do you keep these people? And um, you know, I think the most important. I I mean, there's just you know, it's interesting that you have that quality that um. You can't really, I don't know if you can teach it, man. That quality of just like, no matter what happens, whether it's my fault or not, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to take it on the chin and I'm just going to keep moving because I think that's really what's going to bring the most successful people. Um, they're they're going to rise to the top. Is that like, yeah, sure. And, and I think even, you know, the way that you handled the reps leaving, at the end of the day, it's like, you don't have, con- I mean, I even tell the guys that the girls, everyone that's that's with me, it's like, Hey, if you find a better opportunity, this is what I say for the very beginning. If you find, if you hear of a better opportunity, if you find a better opportunity, if you think, I said, do me a favor, go listen to it, go sit down with them, go hear what they have to say. But then what I want you to do, just do me this one solid, is bring it back to me and let's unpack it. And if legitimately it's better than what I have to offer you, I'll call them and I'll give you a recommendation because I'm not here to just pigeonhole you. I'm not the holy God of solar. I don't claim to know everything or be, you know what I mean? Be, and and Jay Kess, yeah. Jay Kess is the one that taught me that with Solar Academy and SolarCon. Like he, you know, he really instilled that mindset in me because it's like, yeah. And and I think coming, and I, you're probably in that position now. When I lead with that, I lead with that level of like servitude, not just like, oh, I talk like I'm a servant. Because most most of these leaders are just bullshitting you. They don't they don't give a yeah. shit about you. They give a shit about their red line. They give a shit about their override. They don't care about your family. When I when I come no. with an actual mindset of servitude, they just stay. People just don't want to leave. They don't want to leave. You could send a rep to a conference by themselves or with another person, not worried about them getting recruited because they just can't be recruited, you know? Um, yeah. So, so I, the one thing I did want to talk about too, is that like, you have like at Grateful, you have a, you have a few partners, right? Dude, we have more partners than most people. There's seven of us that are actual owners of this business. Yeah. And so what, what, what's that? Like, I know you're CEO and, and, and I don't really know much of the other guys, you named a few of them, but what's that kind of like for you guys and how have you established, and this is probably more for the leaders that are listening to, or the people that want to become a leader or an owner. Like what have you, what has that been like for you going from, 
you know, not having any, going from not having partners to having partners to getting screwed to now, you know, probably multiplying amount of partners. What's that like for you guys? Uh, it's weird, man. It's amazing. It's the most incredible thing in the world. I think it's the only reason we've been able to accomplish how much we have in multiple divisions in such a short time. Um, but it's also complicated and like, you have to have a lot of difficult conversations. Uh, Blake is the newest one of the group. And I had worked with James for a long period of time. James is that guy that was the first guy that left North star to train me He's the first guy to ever train me door to door. And now he's my business partner over here. Uh, Tyler and I, we've been doing each other since 18. When I joined that network marketing company, after a few months, we found out that I was in his downline. We worked together and we stayed in touch forever. Boomer, he was on a different team in that same network marketing company living in Texas. And we just knew each other at that time. We would help each other out on, on sales calls, even though we were not on the same team in that network marketing company. We just hit it off. We stayed in touch. Uh, Jordan, he was my CMO for the supplement company, not uh, not Eostax, the one that failed miserably. Um, and I didn't say this, but it forced me into bankruptcy. I filed bankruptcy at 24, 25, something like that, right after my kid was born. Like right in that same summer I found out uh, she was pregnant, the supplement company came back to me and were like, they had some new, uh, new people working there. And uh, my buddy that owned the supplement company like gave me a few hundred extra bottles because they, they messed up on the quantity of one of the ingredients. And he was like, hey, dude, we'll just hook you up with a few extra bottles. It's no biggie. He left. New ownership came in months later, like almost a year later. And they're like, hey, it looks like we over gave you these bottles. We're, we're going to collect on these. Right at the time when I was like, shit broke. And so I talked to my lawyer. They're like, well, they're going to like issue a judgment. That's worse on your record than a bankruptcy. They can levy your paycheck to where you don't even get the money. So he recommended I file bankruptcy. So like, imagine all that shit at that time. Um, and so anyways, like Jordan was the CMO of the next settlement company that I started. <laughs> and um, we knew each other for years. Great dude. And then, uh, you know, Blake and Mark are two new ones. Mark is Blake's dad. They were the ones that had the roofing company out, out in Texas when we met this year. But we all have uh, different ways of going about things right? Like we all have different perspectives. We all have different skill sets. Um, and I think what it comes down to is, is we're all very open to difficult conversations and coaching. Uh, I think it was when we were younger, like our mentor, Mark would tell us, uh, the, the people who are able to seek rebuke, it was like a scripture. I can't remember what the scripture was, but it was like those who seek rebuke actually look for people to tell them what they're doing wrong are those who will succeed the fastest and grow the most and like have the most success. So since we were young, we knew that it was important to get that feedback and that coaching transparently instead of being butthurt about it, taking it to heart and understanding that the people who give you rebukes and give you coaching like that are doing so because they love you and they want you to see, they want to, they want to call up a better version of yourself, not because they're trying to shit talk you or bring you down. So we, when I say we, me, Tyler, Boomer, James, Jordan, we were already doing like rebukes with each other you know, for the past handful of years, just by knowing each other, because we loved each other, we cared about each other, we did some business together. And then Blake came in, and it was, an, it was a different dichotomy, because it's a new partner, and we were crushing it. And it was funny, because even just two months ago, there was a little bit of like, weird energy with me and Blake, me and Blake are very similar in certain ways, very different others. But the thing we're similar in is we're both visionaries. We're both used to being kind of like the head honcho leader that makes the calls moves fast, has the ideas, the ideas and executes. And 
there's just like kind of this weird stuff happening with us. Like nothing direct, but like it felt off. It felt like there was like a disagreement. And I was like talking to like Tyler and I'm like, you know, like what do I do? And I talked to one of my mentors who I look up to as like a big brother. His name's Los. I uh, met him through a mastermind. I joined. And he was like, you got to go talk to him right now, bro. It was like 830 at night. I hung up the phone, called him up. I'm like, hey guys, I'm coming over. Uh, they were about to catch a flight the next morning to head out. I was like, I need to talk to you guys. So we all walked out. We were walking just on the sidewalk, like nine o'clock. And I just like got vulnerable. And I told him how I was feeling with everything. And I was like, Blake, like, I feel like, uh, I, I feel like there's something going on between us and like, we're not seeing eye to eye and I want to address it so that we can move forward in a good way. Like the mind of like, I share my perspective and then you share yours and try to find like a good resolution. And all it came down to was a mis- misunderstanding and, and because we hadn't known each other for that long. Blake thought that I was not taking our business problems seriously because we're growing fast. There's always problems. And the way that I operate is when there's problems out there on the surface, like Eminem says, I'm calm, cool, and ready, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> he's calm and ready. But like inside, I'm processing. On the inside, I'm like, okay, let's solve it this way, this way, this way. I'm thinking, I'm problem solving, I'm executing to solve the problem. So I might not look stressed. I might not talk like I'm taking it seriously, but I'm actually taking it super serious. And I'm just skipping the stress part and going right into action and problem solving. And so then my problem with Blake was I was like, bro, you're overly stressed. You're talking about all the problems. You're stressing out. And it's like stressing everybody out. And it's bringing the team down. And both of us were right. But the reason he was overly stressing is because he was trying to emphasize the importance of the problems because I was not, in his mind, stressed at all. And when we talked, we're like, oh, fuck, dude. We both just love the company so much. We're doing the exact same thing just through two different lenses. And so like having Tyler and Jordan and Boomer there, they're like, no, dude, we worked with Coda forever. Like he would literally rip his shirt off and give it to a rep. You know, if it was the last thing that he had, like he loves this company and like people more than anybody else. He just does things in a different way. And Blake was like, oh yeah, I was just doing it because like I wanted to make sure we got the problem solved. We were taking this shit serious. And we hugged it out. We're like, I fucking love you, man. And we're cranking, dude. We're, we're blowing up and it's been so synergistic. But it's the ability to have those difficult conversations quickly. I think that's the real reason the business problems occur is there's these little things that you're like, this is fucking annoying. Or like, this guy's bugging me. And you don't address it. You're like, ah, oh, whatever. And then it bubbles and bubbles and bubbles. And then one day, some crazy shit happens. Somebody explodes. And at that point, it's too emotional to resolve. And so I think that's the only reason we've been able to pull it off is we're all bought in to if you see something that some of the partners are fucking up on, we address it. We have an open mindset. We obviously get permission from the person like, hey, do you care if we coach you on this? Yeah. Like, are you sure? They say yes. Once we have that permission, we can lean into it. And then we can say, but here's what we should do moving forward. And we also listen to their perspective because like I had a rebuke a few months ago uh, from the team because I was making decisions without consulting the team. And I was like, oh, it's because it's like, you know, on the residential solar side mainly. And so I was thinking like, yeah, like I'm making decisions moving fast so that you guys can run your divisions and we can all execute together as quickly as possible. Like in my mind, I was like, it's inefficient to approve every single decision. And so again, just a simple misunderstanding. We communicated, we set new expectations, we're all good. And we do that regularly, man, like all the fucking time. That's, I think, the only reason that we've been able to pull off seven partners dude that everybody else that looks at us they're like not gonna work <laughs> they're like dude seven partners yeah you guys are doomed that's awful like yeah. you guys are never gonna make this work 
And, and I mean, who freaking knows what the future holds, man, but it's been working pretty damn good so far. That's for sure. No, I love that. And I, and you know, honestly, like the, I always talk about the group conscience, like even with my leaders and people that are in my life, like I don't claim to be the guy that knows everything, you know? And, and, and I know that from just experience, like, you know, I'm a little bit, I'm not much older than you, but I'm a little bit older than you. So, um, you know, I've been through exactly what you're talking through where it's like, you know, it's just like, I, I'm the guy, I know what I'm doing. Don't worry about me. Get out of my way. Da, 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 da. And you know, I can totally write. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate in this industry. Um, and I, like you said, communication is just so, I just try to be the guy that just, I got to talk to people and I got to make a group conscious. Yeah. That's exactly what you're saying. And it's just so, it's just so good to be just so transparent and especially in this industry, because it's so easy to get a resentment. It's so easy to know that even, even, even a rep reps can get just annoyed for no reason. And if no one's talking to them and no one's even asking them what's going on, because once you start, I mean, I haven't gotten as big as you guys are, but when you get into a larger organization, you know, the experience, it's like one guy could just be screwed, you know, and I don't want the one guy to yeah. just not get any attention. Same with your partners. Um, another thing that I want to touch on too is, is, uh, and it's, it's a very common theme with our industry and, and the leaders and the, and the su successful people um, is that their relationship with their spouse, whether it be man or woman um, is just so, so important. And, and the fact that Kelsey was just so willing to just trust you, man. And I'm sure it wasn't easy. And I'm sure there was probably a lot of hardship left oh. out. And I mean, you know, I've told it before, even, you know, I just got married to my wife, Brooklyn, a, a little while ago, but we've been together about 13 years on and off. And there's been times where like, you know, I'm, I'm rolling in the money. There's times where the bank account shows negative $90,000. And there's times where I'm like, you know, before we would own a home, I'd be like, Hey, you know, she never really has to worry about paying for anything, but I'm like, Hey, you got to pay the rent for like two months. And she's never yeah. wavered. And I've, you know, I always, and I, I know that you do that because I see it, but that's just so important. It's like, I just always show her that respect and that love because without them, we're screwed. I mean, I love when you post yeah. like you're coming home and there's food on the table and you know, she's, and, and she's got her own life too. And there's things that we both have to take care of and, but their support for us, bro, is massive. You know what I mean? I, I do. And you know, I heard, uh, I think it was Sam Evans or somebody else that said, uh, we don't have business problems. We have personal problems that affect our business. And <laughs> it's so true. Like usually wow. when shit's going wrong in the business, it's actually just personal stuff. And, uh, it's funny you bring up the wife thing because we've had a great relationship for the most part, obviously there are ups and downs. Um, but we, for, for most of our relationship, there was a little bit of tension and resentment of the business. And Kelsey got to the point where she started to resent the business. She started to resent, uh, everything about what we were building because really because of me and the way that I was doing things. And I had a big revelation this year where we, we've been lucky to like, we're, dude, like the fact that we have the Hermoses and the fucking like all these people at our fingertips to just get downloads of this like crazy amount of wisdom. It's the most incredible thing because sometimes it'll land differently and you're just like, oh shit, I get it now. And that was for, for me this year, it was, it was about the family thing because this whole year, I'm like, we're building this multi-billion dollar company. We want to exit for multiple billions over the next few years. That's our, our game plan. Um, and I'm like, I'm doing this so that I can give my son all the resources, all the money, all the things, because I never had that as a kid because I was shit broke, you know? And I like did the Christmas where you do like the shop with the cop, right? Because there was no Christmas with like when, and so like, 
I was trying to give him all these things. And then all of a sudden I realized I'm like, all my son wants is, is to have fun, dude. Like I look back to my childhood. I'm like, my best memories were like pillow fights with my cousins and hanging out with the friends and playing like capture the flag in the neighborhood. And I'm like, I didn't even want the money. I'm like, as I got older, sure. Like I had this chip on my shoulder of like, I need to make money, but I'm like, I'm building this future for my son that doesn't want the future that I'm building for him. I'm building him a future for me. I was like, Oh fuck. It's just ego. I'm trying to give him something for me. He doesn't even want this. And then I'm looking at Kelsey and I'm like, I'm telling myself, I'm making a bunch of money and doing these things for you because I love you. And I'm like, no, if you loved your wife, you wouldn't treat your weekly date night like a third tier appointment on your calendar that can be rescheduled when somebody else more important. You love your wife and you're booking, you're, you're compromising date night to do a Zoom call or recruiting call or a meeting. You prick, like you don't love your wife. And so I just like had these moments where I'm like, dude, I've been lying to myself about everything. I lie to myself all the time. I'm like, like, I'm lying to my wife. I'm lying to my son. And it's not like I'm the shit person. Like I treat my wife well. I treat my son well. I spend so much time with him. He's the center of my universe. But like I had this, these kind of like realizations like this last couple of months. And we're in Houston. My wife's depressed for like, you know, a couple of weeks in a row. And um, she's just like not feeling it because, you know, there's no friends, family out there. And she has no purpose for her life. Her purpose is to support me. And I'm like, that's really fucking selfish of me. So I'm like, hey, go back home, hang out with family, reset. She goes back home. And I remember like after a week of her being back home, we're on FaceTime and she's talking to me about her day. And I just see her lit up and she's smiling. And I just like, in that moment, I have goosebumps. In that moment, I just see how happy my wife is. And like Nixon is like playing with like the cousin, or not the cousins, but like playing with like his friends here and like family. And I'm just like, God, look how happy my family is. And in that moment, I didn't even talk to my business partners in that moment. I'm like, Hey, uh, you're staying there. Uh, we're going to be in St. George. I'm going to spend three weeks a month in St. George and one week a month back in Houston. Even though we have this, you know, 8,000 square foot headquarters and I'm the CEO, I'm going to figure it out. We're going to build it around this, but like, I'm done telling myself that I'll, I'll take care of my family once I make a billion dollars, because I know too many billionaires that are miserable or have been miserable because they went and they made the 10 million or the hundred million or the billion. And then they lost the wife. They lost the relationship with their children or they sacrificed everything and they got there and they were just like buying new toys to try and satisfy their misery. And I'm like, I have everything right now. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm overlooking it for this big vision. And so I just made the decision in that moment. I'm like, you're saying in St. George, I'm coming back. And, uh, we're going to do this. And she just like, was like crying and she is so happy because for the first time I saw her and I treated her like I should as a partner, as an actual partner with an equal vote, because we both matter because I love her rather than I'm the CEO of this business and you're an employee and you get the time when I determine that. And like, of course, I'm not this psychopath that like intentionally was like, I'm not going to do date night intentionally was like, Oh, I'm not going to like care for you. I always love my wife. I always love my son. But our actions always speak louder than our words. And so I'm, I'm reconstructing my life and I'm like, okay, cool. This is just a new constraint, a new challenge. How do I build a multi-billion dollar brand while not sacrificing the relationship and the time and the memories with my family? And that's the season that I'm in right now, man. And it's like, it's so fucking cool. But it's important because like, she's more supportive than ever. When I was at the recruiting summit, I used to get texts when I was out of town 
what are you doing? How come you're not texting me? Uh, are there, are there other chicks there? Yeah. And it was just like all these insecurities and there were people at this event. I'm not going to say their names, but like they were talking about that from their significant other. And I told them what I did and what recently changed for me. And now my wife's texting me. I didn't text her for like six hours because I was networking and she texted me. She's like, Hey, if I don't hear from you tonight, I just want you to know, I'm so proud of you. You're going to kill it tomorrow. You're amazing. And I love you. And I, I was like, Whoa, you know, like, I'm like, I'm like, this is the text that I always thought I deserved. And I always wanted, and I was like, why is my wife so like ungrateful? Why is my wife? And it's like, dude, it's not your wife. It's you. And as soon as I changed and I started adjusting these things, I was like, holy fuck, I did it. Like, this is it. And so it's been incredible, man. It's been so cool. No, man, that's so powerful because, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite quotes of all time is from the Godfather. And he says, you know, a man who doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. And you know, mm-hmm. I, I've always tried to just live that way. And it's just always been instilled in me. And that's what I try to pass on to reps and other people. Um, and, and that's the relationship I have with my wife. And, and it's just very true. Like everything you're saying is just so spot on. Um, and, and I just love it. And I hope everyone hears that and knows that, that, you know, and it's a thing. It's just so easy. I'm just, maybe I'm in a judgmental space right now. <laughs> Where it's just so easy to see people post shit on Instagram. And I'm like, dude, you're not really doing that shit. Like, I can tell. I can tell you're not doing it. Like, go fucking yeah. actually do it, bro. Like, go actually. And, and you know, like you just said, like, that date night is just so, you know, we, well, you know, we just bought it. We just bought a new house. We just got married. And so sometimes you're like, you know, your routine gets a little dodgy. But somebody's got to catch, cast the net. And I think heavy is the head that wears the crown. I think whoever is responsible for certain attributes of the relationship, just like in your in your circle with your leadership team and your business partners, like it's your responsibility to show up in that way. You can't expect somebody else to do it. And so it's always my responsibility because she'll just forget and just be okay. And then I can just see she's getting a little edgy because she hasn't made to feel special and, and you know, yeah. and, and whatever. Um, so pretty powerful. Um, last thing, because I know you got to run, but the supplement game is huge for you um, from what I've seen. And, and now hearing your background, it makes perfect sense why. And I know that you've just gone through kind of like a health restructuring. You did like seven or eight or several different tests and stuff. Um, kind of give me your, your current experience with that, like supplements and health and, and why you're just taking it so seriously, because I think that reps and leaders and owners need to know that, like what you're doing and why you're doing it and how it's beneficial. Yeah. I've always been fascinated by supplements. Um, classic story, you know, as a kid in high school, they couldn't focus, was told that I was disruptive and was, you know, getting kicked out of school and suspended and teachers calling parents, things like that. And I, I did Adderall when I graduated, I was like, this is, this is not good. (laughs) It was good. Like it helped, but I like, I like knew the side effects and like research, like this, this is not sustainable. So originally it was a passion of like trying to create something natural that could help me focus and help me stay on my game. And then it developed into like just overall health and wellness and well-being. And I was like, I just perform better and I'm a better person. And I and I love myself more when I feel healthy and optimized. So for the last you know decade or whatever, I've ho- I focused a lot on fitness and health and mental space and supplements and all these different things, you know, good, good diet, decent diet. But the problem was. I was self-diagnosing and uh, as smart as I was and as much research as I did, until you actually test and get real data, you're kind of just shooting in the dark. And so I had these issues ever since I can remember, like stomach issues. And it wasn't like Crohn's disease or anything, but like I, I just like kind of had stomach pain a lot. And um, 
like, I just like thought it was a permanent thing. I just like, didn't care. You know, I had some side effects of different things and I was like, whatever, it's just who I am. It was just normal. So I got all these tests and I was like, I'm going to just like do a deep dive into like all my shit. So I got blood work, saliva work, urine samples, uh, uh, like just anything and everything you can think of, sent it all in, got my labs back, had an actual, you know, doctor break it down for me and explain what they meant. Found out number one, one of the biggest things was that I'm allergic to gluten. Right. Um, and I was like, Oh, that's a real thing. Okay. Like the gluten hippies, like it's a, that's an actual, okay, whatever. Uh, and I found out that's why I had so many stomach issues. Part of it. Number two, my gut was really messed up. I was actually on the verge of leaky gut. And I was like, that's weird. Cause I've taken probiotics for years. I've done all these things, but it was probably the stuff I was eating the gluten that was causing negative issues in my gut. And, you know, 80% of your serotonin, right. The thing that keeps you from being depressed is produced in the gut. And so it's like, okay, that's pretty fucking important. All right. And then on top of that, out of five potential mycotoxins, right. Mold toxins, I was positive for four of them. And I was like, oh shit. And that's the thing that if you don't notice, um, and you don't know about it and correct it, that that's what causes cancer literally like proven will cause cancer at some point. And so it was really cool to get these results back. Oh, and my testosterone was a little bit low. And I kind of predicted that because whoever you are, most people, I think they said like the average 25 year old today has the same testosterone levels of a 60 year old about 50 years ago. Think about how scary that is. Air pollution, the things they put in our water, the processed foods that we eat, uh, everything going on. We're in this weird environment. So I was like, all right, testosterone's low. Testosterone is responsible for aging, health. Uh, energy levels, fitness, strength. And then obviously just like as a man, being a good, strong man, that's confident, like testosterone is important. So I'm like, cool. So I got on this regimen. I'm taking testosterone cream. I'm taking a peptide right now. I uh, went, uh, it's now been about 45 days with zero gluten. I haven't compromised once, no gluten. I was like, fuck this, I'm done. Uh, It doesn't mean I'm never gonna have gluten for the rest of my life. I was like at least 30 days though, zero gluten to see what I feel. I feel incredible. I'm sleeping better. I uh, don't have the stomach issues that I used to. Uh, I think I've had like four glasses of wine over the last 45 days um, is all like no drinking really outside of that. And um, I am also taking specific supplements to the things because I also found out genetically, I'm really prone to inflammation, right? Like I did genetic tests where it shows your mom's side and your dad's side and it goes through each gene and it explains which ones are half broken, right? Like one parent was broken, one was good which ones are both. And on the inflammation markers, almost all of them were double broken. Wow. And I was like, Oh shit. Cause inflammation can lead to all kinds of problems. So I was like, all right, no wonder I've like knee pain and joint pain and back pain. Cause I lived with that forever too. I backpack a lot. I work out like daily. Um, so like learning like, okay, I can cater my supplements to inflammation. I can cater my food to inflammation. And it's like, Oh, no wonder I feel like this because I'm eating lots and lots of bread and pasta. Mm. Right which is literally gluten and causes inflammation. So it's like a double whammy. Yeah. And I'm thinking that I'm so healthy, bro. Cause I'm like spending hundreds of dollars a month on supplements. You know, I take my greens, I work out every day. I'm doing the cold plunge. I'm talking positive, thinking positive. Um, but just by getting the test to get actual results and figure out my, my genetic makeup helped a lot. And so the next thing I'm about to do is take a different peptide because I, I called him and I'm like, Hey man, I have a freakishly fast metabolism. I could eat two to 4,000 calories every day, which I do. And uh, even with that, I'm at 3.6% body fat. Uh, and I have been for a long time, man. It's wild. It's freakish. Like, 
I just, I just don't gain weight, man. Lucky Even when bastard. I was eating ice cream every day. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> People hear that and they're like, you lucky. And I'm, and I'm like, and I'm like, yes and no, because I yeah, want to yeah, be, right, you know, right, jacked. Right, right. I want to gain more weight. Yeah. And, but now I'm about to take this peptide and I got my wife on it too. And she took tests, but she only took those tests because she saw how good I was feeling. And before I was like, Hey, like you should, you should take these supplements. You should do these things. And it was like annoying because I was selling her on it, but by her seeing me make changes and her seeing me get healthier and happier, she wanted to do it. And so then she got the test and she found out she was also positive for the mold toxins. So I was like, okay, we got to clean our house because it's in our house, obviously in Texas. And now she's like starting to make some changes. She's getting on some supplements, but it's just cool, man, because a lot of times, uh, I don't know if you listen to Tom Bill, you at all mm. on YouTube. Yeah. So he, one of the things he says that I really fuck with is he says, we're living in a biological experience. And I love it because there's so many times where you think your problems are this or that, you know, it's the business or it's the finances or it's blah, blah, blah. A lot of times, dude, you're just sleep deprived or hungry or you feel like shit because like you're eating wrong or like you're not taking the right supplements or your gut's out of wax. You're not producing enough serotonin. You know, maybe you're deficient in dopamine. Like we think that it's other things, but most of the time it's literally just your hormones or something like that. And so if you can get that in check, at least then you're working off of an accurate baseline. Cause then if you feel like shit, you're like, all right, maybe I'm just not fulfilled in my job. Right. Maybe I, I just don't enjoy what I'm doing. Or maybe I just like need to like change some things up. But until you do that, you're blaming these outside things or you're feeling a certain way when it's like, dude, you just, you're just fucking out of whack with your hormones. You just got to get that in check and you'll be fine. There's literally no better way to end that because it's just ties everything up so perfectly, man. So I just, um, such, such a ton of good information, man. I really appreciate you carving out the time to get on here, man. I can't wait for this to get released. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tag you on all the stuff. I think it's like, is it at Coda Ivers on Instagram? Yep. So yep. everyone can check you out there. Um, check out the company grateful solar. It's G R eight, uh, T F L or no G R eight F L. Okay. Yeah. yeah, man. So I appreciate Coda. Thank you for hopping on today, brother. Yeah. Appreciate you, man. I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the podcast. If you have any questions or ideas, please contact us on Instagram at Arcadia LV or at the Doorknocker Podcast. Our show is produced at 11th Street Records in downtown Las Vegas. Thanks for listening.